Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation? Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And it is now a time-honored tradition, a time-honored tradition that Phil Waters is... uh, fashionably late this is his new thing um obviously uh in the midst of uh securing his ferrari negotiations what is today's excuse phil waters uh yeah i'm only a minute late right <laughs> uh, make any difference uh, an inch or a mile right what would happen uh phil if you were in the marine corps still and you told your boot camp drill instructor that you were only a minute late what would he do oh well, this this would not have happened in <laughs> okay so well today uh i have uh, uh i've got uh, someone who is inquiring about a uh, a case somebody they want me to interview in a uh, very interesting oregon murder case and um yeah so and we might want to talk about this uh later it's a very interesting deal so I'd love to hear it. Uh, you were just coming in in the uh, intro here. Of course, you guys know Great Scott, True Crime Phil, show so good it happens every Friday. And you're uh, looking at America's most respected detective, Phil Waters, formerly of the Houston Police Department. Uh, he is a homicide detective and not just any homicide detective, but has one of the best clearance rates in criminal confession rates that uh, any detective could have and as you just heard he is now the owner of kindred spirits investigations he's also the uh, star of the show the interrogator that he wishes was called the interview er and then you got scott duffy former fbi supervisory agent out of the delaware residency and uh, scott was also a lower marion pa police officer for five and a half years before he got into the police department um scott duffy i cannot help but notice that beautiful fireplace uh, we're seeing it your house looks so cozy scott not only is your voice soothing but your home is soothing phil yours does too but hang on a sec uh, and phil i bet you could put a fireplace up there but uh what room are we in now no, scott duffy? i don't even have an air conditioner so uh, we're good mm. Oh, there you go. Uh, Scott, which room are we in? I'm still in the basement. There's lots of different views of the basement, always looking for the best angle, trying to change it up a little bit for you, Joel. And let me ask, does your, you know, you you told me off camera that you thought about going into uh, the actual, you have an actual fireplace, but your family told you to buzz off. Does your family get irritated that you do this every Friday and that you're not with them? As long as I'm down here, they're all good. They're all good. All right. I'm glad to hear that. Look at this. Tali is in the house, coming to us from Tel Aviv, Israel. Happy Friday, Joel, Uncle Ferrari, Phil, the Duffster, COE, Spacey as in Space Coast, the best mods, and my STS fam. Prayers Taking for her, up. Israel. Prayers yes. for her, Israel. Yes. She is in uh, the crossfire, as they say. She spent a lot of her time uh, as these rockets are being fired into uh, Israel, and uh, every time they've got to go into the uh, bomb shelters or safe house, uh, safe rooms in the uh, buildings that they are in. Um, 
What is going on here from Verushka? Guess what, chat? This is kind of crazy. Carmela and Joel have the same surname as me. Mine is just with two. Oh, look at that. Waldman. First time I see anyone with the same surname. Uh, I got to tell you, there's someone in this chat who goes by JW and I always say what great initials because those are my initials. And lo and behold, that JW is Canadian and they emailed us to say that their last name is Waldman. How weird is that? Uh, no relation as far as we know. And then uh, look at this. You've got Catherine Regier out and about today in Maui. That's good to hear, actually. So can't watch live, but wanted to say aloha. Hopefully Maui is coming together. Um, I got to admit, it's Friday. It's been uh, seven months and one week. I'm exhausted. Uh, obviously, the stuff going on in Israel, but also selfishly, I've got uh, working on my book, and it is... Uh, beyond exhausting the kiddos and the coe are having dinner with carm at her place uh they decided to uh leave me behind uh phil how is your week on phil waters well it's been busy uh i've, I've uh, been working on some stuff got some new stuff uh closed out some some cases and went over to a friend of ours and mowed their a couple of their corrals for them that had been uh, kind of overgrown, and uh, so they can put uh, their horses in there. My niece is working with their horses, so we were able to get that done for them. And it's been a it's been a great productive week. Now I will say this: Nugget is not here today. Mm. Uh, Nugget, I, I got a very uh, snippy text message from the owner. Mm. And so Wednesday, Nugget went down to the owners, mm. and that's where she has remained. So I don't know if they have her sequestered down there. Uh, they're trying to keep her from coming up here. But so does, now, let me ask, there's got to be follow-up questions to this. Does Nugget, so I knew this, that Nugget actually had a different owner, but does Nugget of her own volition, does she walk up to your home, and is it just sort of understood, and now the neighbor suddenly has a change of heart? Is that what's going on? Well, this has been going on for about five years now, and mm. so it's been kind of a different scenario every every year, but Nugget does choose to come up here and stay here, and uh, so it uh, we've got a real good relationship with uh, Nugget's mom owner, and the dad owner is not as amenable. Uh, he, in fact, he has a little reputation here in the area for being a little snippy. I'll use mm. that word. <laughs> is he a is he an older gentleman, a younger gentleman? Oh no, no, he's younger than me. He's quite he's quite younger than me. He's probably in his forties, maybe. And they've got kids and all that good stuff. And I think that oh, I don't know. He he. Um, when we first got here, we got the I got the Ferrari over here, and I'm driving up the the road to the house when I first bought it from Hilo, and. Um, Nugget's mom sent me a text as I'm driving up the road and says, nice, your Ferrari. So I think there may be a little, 
uh, I don't know, mm -hmm. a little neighborhood envy thing going on. Ferrari envy. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. So, this story is getting more and more complex. Um, interesting dynamic. This is uh, a. I think he was, actually when he sent me actually when he sent me the text a couple nights ago, I think he was probably drunk. Oh, this is a brewing. What would be amazing is if that this, if this family was actually part of the STS community and Phil had no idea and they were watching this right now. But this is a brewing custody battle here. Phil, be honest with me. Has it ever crossed your mind? to stick Nugget in your carry-on and bring her back to Houston with you? Would you ever do that? Would you ever consider that? Oh, sure. In fact, as we're getting ready, prepared to go back, I, I said to, to my wife, I said, you know, Nugget would just would fit right in the bag. We could get her on the plane very easily. But uh, we've chosen not to dognap her, so we're, we're going to remain within the spirit of the understanding that we have with Nuggets owners. I personally think you should dog nap her. So when is the last time that we that you and your wife saw Nugget? Did you say it was five days ago? No, no. It was, uh, what is today, Friday? It was uh, Wednesday. 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 Hmm. That would break my heart. I can't handle any more tragedy in this world. And Nugget being separated from Phil, that's about all as much as I can take. Uh, Scott Duffy, you see Brian Joe? Uh, it's Friday the 13th, and he says, happy Friday the 13th. Are you uh, superstitious, Scott Duffy? Do you think twice about Friday the 13th? I love the 13th. The 13th always been my favorite number. I don't, I, you know, it's just, um, so Friday the 13th is just all the more better. Lots of luck, lots of good things always happen on the 13th, so. You know whose favorite well, number is 13? Carm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Carm loves 13. She's mm -hmm. her absolute favorite number. Um, really, it was a reason for that connection. Marking time is uh, trying to already uh, goad Phil. Uh, Justice for Ellen, which we're about to talk about. On a side note, the Phil response to the Gonzalez-Howard-Blum mess should be something to behold if Joel brings it up. I have it at the bottom of the pile today, but... Um, I don't think Phil. We were talking. We we talked about the evildoer Phil yesterday on the show, and a lot of people said when Phil gets his hands on this article that is suggesting that Steve Gonzalez was trying to uh, get information from grand jurors, and now the Gonzalez's say it's not true, and this whole thing that you would have an absolute fit. So uh, we'll see. Do you want to give us a prelude to that in case we get to it? A brief. Uh, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about other than what you just said. So if we get more information later, I'll be happy to offer. And a, and a uh, we'll, we'll get there. So let's get we all know Ellen uh, Greenberg. And I sent this. I We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but we'll spend some time on it. This is a story that is personally irritating the crap out of me. Um, I'm trying to now, uh, by the way, Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and Alibis, who is a friend of mine and a friend of the show, uh, she is now doing this on Pretty Lies and Alibis. So we are talking about joining forces and actually trying to, uh, I don't know, to create form. I don't know what the adjective or the verb is, I should say, start a rally, a protest in the city of Philadelphia to try to get justice for Ellen Greenberg. And uh, the most recent news, uh, by the way, I just met Ellen Greenberg's uncle 
It's a very weird story. Of all the places in the world, Steve Cohen, Meve Moen's next-door neighbor in Florida is Ellen Greenberg's uncle, if you can believe that. Very next-door neighbor. Not two houses down, not three houses down, and I just met him. He's Sandy Greenberg's brother, wonderful guy, um, and I told him we would try to do anything we could do. But uh, Scott Duffy, this news just came out, even though this death happened in 2011, that the knife found piercing four inches into the chest of 27-year-old Philadelphia teacher Ellen Greenberg. It had never been fingerprinted. This is according to Joe Pedraza. He is the attorney for Ellen Greenberg's family. Just very quick background for those of you who do not know the story at all. She was a 27-year-old elementary school teacher. It was a very snowy night back on January 26, 2011. Uh, Her fiancé, who she was living with, a guy named Sam Goldberg, uh, finds her in the apartment that they were living in in a tony little part of Philadelphia called Maniunk. Um, he tells police that she's not looking well, uh, can't tell that she's been stabbed despite a knife wedged four inches into her chest. He calls family first and some friends, I believe, before calling 911. His uncle is a very well-connected judge. They come in there. They basically are able to clean up the crime scene. It is initially for the first couple of days ruled a homicide. It is then ruled undetermined. And then despite 20 stab wounds, 10 to the front, 10 to the back, two post-mortem meeting after she was dead, uh, after a meeting, a secret meeting between the medical examiner and police, they then switched this three months later to a suicide back in 2011. And it has remained a suicide since then so that's the backstory but scott duffy how in the world on top of everything else would they never have processed a knife in this case i'm not sure what world that would be where uh especially because and and i'm pretty sure the reports are clear that homicide was called in relatively uh soon after the complaint made by or t- to the 911 call and and subsequent first responders and on scene uh police so the fact that you have homicide called to the scene and and this was being looked at regardless of what way it was going to go um that if you have in this case a knife that's planted in the chest of the victim that that knife would not have been at least um, tested in 2011 um, my, my, w- with regards to basic forensics, and that would be DNA and, and fingerprints just, just to, to have them. You know, whether it be a negative result, it could be that there's either a whole bunch of uh, um, uh, different mixtures or so forth, and often I understand, as, as I have been part of the FBI's evidence response team. Fingerprints are often not uh, what you would hope to be, so thereby um, you get smudges, and etc. But it, it, it is disturbing in that sense that if it's true that the report from the attorney that it was never tested for, for the basics, yeah, I would find that a little bit odd. <laughs> Look at Brian Joe. I'm not sure why so many people are hard on Phil. He's a good man. There's no one that loves Phil more than myself, except possibly his wife Thank and you, children. Brian. Thank yeah. you, Brian. 
thank you. I thought you were going to say thank you to me. Uh, Jimmy C says, uh, Jimmy and Jeannie always watch from Portland. Uh, you never give Portland, Oregon any shout outs. Please remind me to do that at the end today. Um, I don't know about you guys. I feel like molasses today. I'm moving very slowly. I'm fatigued. It's been a long week. I just want to say, Serena, this show is amazing. I'm usually lurking because I can't type in the chat at work if we're busy. Love you guys. Serena, excellent to hear that. Never seen your name. Happy to see it. Please share the show with friends. By the way, if you can't support us on Patreon or YouTube, which I hope you do, please continue. You guys are doing a great job. Give us five stars on Apple. Uh, the audio uh, side of podcasting is huge. It helps us with advertisers and sponsorships. Please, please, please give us uh, five stars. Polka Dots says, beautiful fireplace, Scott. Goosebump says, Love the fireplace, Scott. Tolly says, thank you, Phil. Uh, Elizabeth Whitney says, praying for peace. Uh, Kathleen Barnett, she says, favorite show of the week. Love to all of us. Another Oregonian, if that is the correct terminology. Uh, Phil Waters, so this case is just troubling on so many levels. The attorney, Joe Pedraza, he is representing the family. This is a direct quote about the knife not having been uh, processed. We'd like to have it tested minimally just to see if there are fingerprints on it, because if there aren't any fingerprints, that says a lot. What does it say, Phil? Because uh, the minute I sent this to Scott, he said, look, you know, Sam lived, uh, the fiance lives with her. There's going to be a DNA on the knife. But I think the point that uh, Joe Pedraza is making is that it appears to him that the knife was wiped clean. What do you think, Phil? Well, I have I have hesitated to speak about this case in any detail because all I have seen have been what's been generated, I think, by the family, the lawyer, and those kinds of things. And I've, you know, we're not, I guess the direct evidence is not available to us. But about this specific issue, knife being tested and that kind of thing. I, I find it strange that the knife was not tested back when this occurred. This is one of these things. I've had cases similar to this where we had a piece of evidence and we, you know, it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know. The chances of getting some sort of probative evidence off of a particular item is minimal, but you tested anyway because if, the, if this thing does eventually come to a trial of some kind what you don't want to do is get asked by the defense attorney about why you didn't test it and there's just very rarely is a good answer for that for that question so just take that away from the defense and, and go ahead and test it and if you get negative results then you get negative results but in this particular case, I mean, I don't know that was if that did not happen at the time. That was certainly a misstep, something that should have happened. And now testing it, what is this? Twelve years later? Is that twelve years? Yep. Yes, twelve sir. years later. Who knows what condition the knife is in? I'm assuming because they're talking about wanting to test it, that the knife is still in the property room somewhere. So they've got that piece of evidence. Why in the world 
law enforcement at this point would be hesitant to just go ahead and test it and just answer the freaking question. I mean, what, what are they? And even if, Scott's probably alluded to this before, but even if they get, let's say they get the, uh, it's the boyfriend or something, right? The live-in. Yeah, fiance. Sam Gold. Fiance, fiance. Even if they get his DNA off of it or get a fingerprint off of it, they live together, right? Yes. Yes. So it's it's a push. Yeah. You know, if we're in Vegas, it's a push. It doesn't mean anything. If there are no fingerprints on it, uh, I've got to believe there's going to be some sort of DNA on it of some form. Uh, just if it's not, if it's just nothing other than her blood. So, um, you know, the chances that you're going to get anything now, if the knife, if it's recovered and it is in fact has been wiped clean, well, that's, that's kind of a red flag. Sure. But I don't know that's the case. So I, th I think that, that yeah, reading between the lines, it appears to me that the concern is that it was wiped clean. Um, Dr. Von Decay, by the way, says, I left an Apple review last night. Do you guys have to approve it? No, we do not, but uh, hopefully it will post, and thank you so much. Uh, Phil and Scott, please don't blush. The three smartest and good-looking men love STS Fridays. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez says, uh, Scott Duffy's crackling fire as is, is as relaxing as his calming, thoughtful voice. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, Nugget has made herself too much at home, ready to be amazed. You will be amazed during this show at how tired I am today. That's what you will be amazed about. Um, Scott Duffy, uh, to Phil Waters' point, uh, yeah, I know. Tolly says, echoing what? We have a nugget crisis. I can't take it. I can't take that either. Um, so Michael Bodden, Scott Duffy, was quoted in this article, and exactly to uh, America's most respected detective's point, uh, of course, Dr. Michael Bodden, he's a renowned forensic psychologist, not connected to the case. And he says, and I quote here, fingerprints usually don't go away unless they are wiped away. If the knife has been properly preserved, a foreign fingerprint might still be findable. And what's interesting, this is coupled, Scott Duffy, with the fact that Ellen, despite being stabbed 20 times, she was found clutching, holding on to a pristine, what's described as a pristine white towel in her left hand, according to the lawyer. Um, some of this doesn't make sense, Scott Duffy. Uh, you're the greater investigative mind, much greater than mine. What do you make of this? That the knife is not processed. Um, the lawyer is implying that this white towel, which was placed or she had in her left hand may have been used to wipe the uh, the knife clean. How is it possible that she was stabbed twenty times and is holding a knife, uh, a white, a white uh, dish towel with not a single blood stain on it? Hmm. Well, and, and not having seen any pictures, and I imagine somewhere there are crime scene pictures with regards to blood batter, etc. So it'd be interesting to see with regards to where the body is laying and, and then, of course, where this towel specifically is is held and, and then is there blood 
all the way around, whether it be on a surface behind or on clothing, and of course not being on a towel, that sure, that's that's a clue to investigators. So um the if, if I can back up with, with regards to the doctor um bodin issue, I, I agree, but but then you also have to add a part with regards to many surfaces um may not pick up on a fingerprint for one reason or another. So it may, ju- you know, and I don't know what the type of handle it was, et cetera. But so I, I have um, witnessed many finger pr- or uh, latent prints attempting to be not lifted, but to be dusted. We would go out there and you would look at a video, for example, of a bank robbery. Somebody touched the counter. You do the dust and you're like, there's no, there's nothing popping up. So it, there, there are so many factors that can go into ultimately if a print is not on it, or at least maybe, you know, a smudge of sort, but it, it, there's, there's a lot more in play there with just, just the fact that um, it, if, if it's not there, there's, that's, what does that mean? It's, I, I, I agree with the part if that, if that knife is, uh, collected, and I imagine that, uh, the knife went with the body. Nobody attempted to remove that knife prior to that the body going to the medical examiner's office, and then it's properly removed and and then preserved for evidence. Then so be it. I agree that you know if it's in a proper environment, nothing magically will make anything disappear if something was on it at the onset, but. There are a few more factors I think that go into play there. If and Scott you know. and Scott Duffy, you met you met Dr. Michael Bodden uh, at yeah. CrimeCon. Yeah. yeah, tall guy. Uh, Lorna McKenzie, she obviously prefers Phil's family. He's jealous. Back to the Nugget saga. Uh, Nugget's persnickety owner is just jealous that Nugget chose Phil over him. Dogs obviously have a sixth sense. Uh, I sure would not get snippy with Phil. Phil, they're jealous of you, but Nugget chose you. Oh, that's sad. Um, I hope this guy never stares down the barrel of Phil's 45. That's all I have to say. Um, Phil, do you have any advice here? Um, Marie says, I'm glad to hear that 40 is the new quite young. Uh, what advice would you have to someone just turning 40, Phil? Do you consider that young, uh, pers- you know, uh, in perspective and uh, what advice would you give a young 40 year old? Well, in my world, 40 is the new 20. Mm. So I think don't be, uh, I was watching some, some Louie Anderson. You remember Louie? You remember Louie? Yes, Louis I Anderson? do. Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious guy. <laughs> and I was, I've been watching a lot of his stand up stuff here lately. And he's talking about being when you turn 50, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's some of the stuff that he talks about, which is really hilarious. And uh, so now I put it since I'm, look, I'm, I'm approaching 70. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how you're supposed to feel. The fact that I'm getting that close to that number is kind of amazing to me. But I don't really reflect much on age. I really don't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything to me. I, I, um, 
feel I, I'm as I'm in about as healthy shape as I've ever been. And so I, you know, the age thing, I would just tell whoever that was about the 40. I mean, don't despair. You know, you're just getting better. It's like a fine wine, right? You, you just get better with age. So, you know, for me, it's not whether the glass is half full or half empty. It's the glass is always overflowing. So I think if you just have a, a positive attitude about moving forward and thinking about all the stuff you're going to learn as the years come along and all the stuff you've already learned by getting to the age of 40. So don't despair. 40 is the new time. Um, you know, Fridays is not just about true crime. It's about... Um Wisdom and who better to tap for wisdom than the great Phil Waters, America's most respected detective? I'm going to use that uh, quote of his generously now. It's not about the glass being half full or half empty, it's overflowing. Uh, and I'm going to attribute that to the great Phil Waters. Look at this. This has to be a shirt. I'm going to get the COE to make this free nugget, hashtag free nugget from Ali79. Got to get that shirt made. I'm going to talk to the CEO. Oh, my um, gosh. That's Look funny. at this free nugget. Um, that, but I, I, is that Allie? I, I Allie just said that. that. Allie? I hadn't even thought about that. that that's, yeah, uh, that's pretty 100%. cool. Yeah, we got to do that. Michelle Salter says, I hope these neighbors aren't watching. Uh, then look at this. Lest you think we're a global show, we're not a global show. Kerry, coming to you from North Wales. I don't normally manage to catch you live. Love the show and all your guests. So welcome, Wales. Look at this. The conspiracy theories are starting. Darcy Swanson, maybe Nugget, is having an affair. Uh, interesting. Interesting. I would hope not. Uh, PJ's Heart says, lots of love on this Friday the 13th. Prayers for Tali and Israel. Justice for Ellen. Thank you. Best guest, best host, best team ever. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Phil Waters. Um Final one here before we move on. Moto 88, dogs no good people. Nugget probably needs some peace in his day. Probably hates that guy. Uh, and I, as I'll say it again, I hope that guy never stares down the barrel of Phil's 45. <laughs> uh, Phil, uh, two quotes here, um, both from the lawyer, Joe Pedraza. He says, I think that that towel that's in her left hand was used to wipe the knife handle. And I think that somebody may have come upon the scene quicker than they thought. And that's how that towel ended up in her left hand. And he goes on, how many people are cutting up fruit for a fruit salad, which is what Ellen was doing by the way, to eat for lunch and then decide, Oh, you know something I'd rather just kill myself now. So let me go get a white towel, hold it in my left hand while stabbing myself 20 times to death. Um, obviously, he is saying this quite facetiously, but um, as I've said before, and I will say again, something in the story stinks. It is not adding up. What do you make of his quotes? Is he goading uh, people here? And by the way, this case was never investigated. Never. It was never investigated. Well, I don't know that never is the word to use. It had to have been investigated at some point, if, if yes. it was just a patrol officer who did a field investigation. So okay. uh, it's been investigated. It may be just not to the extent that people would like it to have been, uh, where you have what is uh, – I, I now, did I read – so this stuff from the lawyer, see, I <laughs> – I'm just saying that all we're getting is a very subjective rendering of 
possibly some facts, but we may not be being led to the truth. So anytime these lawyers get up and start running their freaking heads about stuff, I mean, the, the point is we're trying to, and I understand this, and I'm not trying to be, you know, not considerate of the family through this whole thing for 12 years going on. I'm just saying that as, as an objective homicide detective, that lawyers and people getting up that have an agenda saying stuff like this, people accepting this as some sort of fact leading to the truth just shouldn't be done. And that's that's what I'm doing when I hear this kind of stuff. I don't care what the case is. Um and I've had I've had you know we had cases that were not investigated initially and then the medical examiner found something that looked to them to be suspicious and then called the division, called homicide and said, we've got this body over here. We need you to take a look at. We're finding something that looks a little odd. We need it to be investigated. And we would do that. So, again, we're talking about a case that's 12 years old. We don't know what was going on then other than what we have been told. I My question is, in this whole thing, is in, in terms of the officials involved in this, whether it was the police department, the medical examiner, these people. And if we assume that some of this stuff that's being said by the attorney is true, what is the motivation behind the officials in doing what they did at the beginning and now doing what they're being said to continue to do. I, I mean, I, what, what's the motivation? Was this guy connected to somebody? Was was there there somebody had a, a ringer in this thing that's trying to protect? I mean, I don't even understand what the motivation would be for officials to well, try to keep this thing where it is. I mean, I don't even understand. Yeah, well, well Sam, Sam's uncle is a very high-powered judge in the Philadelphia area, and they were also... Uh, donors, Beyonce, Beyonce's uncle, and there are also donors to some big political uh, players in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, one who whom became eventually the governor, uh, the current governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, another is the current district attorney. So, okay. um, there are allegations, you know, that they are, and I use this as a metaphor, in bed with each other, uh, helping. So that's, that's in the beginning of this whole thing. That's why that's right. why rulings were changed from homicide to suicide and so forth. That, 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 is, uh, that is the allegation, yes. To protect the fiancé. Correct. Correct. Okay. That, yes, there you go. There you go. Um, and Phil, one day I'll get you all the paperwork on this. By the way, Meg P says, I saw Nancy Grace covering this story. Yes, she is. Ashley Banfield just had Josh and Sandy Greenberg on. Um, all they are asking for is a uh, fair and thorough investigation. I am not T-Pain. Question for Scott. 
which Friday the 13th movie are you watching tonight? Are you going to uh, skip the watering hole in lieu of watching a Friday the 13th movie, Scott Duffy? So I watch, well, more of a Halloween fan, so I'll be watching probably more of the Michael Myers than Jason. But I have seen all of both of them. So I, first and foremost, the original for both series would always be the best. And then... um and I also do not wait till Halloween to watch them. So it's like watching Jaws throughout the whole year. Uh, Scott, do you carry when, when you're watching the movie? Do you keep a firearm by your side? <laughs> I don't. You don't. <laughs> do you get? Do you yell or screech at all? Are you the one that gets nervous, or your wife? No, no. It's it's it's, it's a movie. <laughs> so you're just watching. I got it. Uh, Lindsay Shea says, I saw Josh and Sandy on News Nation a few nights ago. She was on with Ashley Banfield. We're going to wrap this in a moment here, but uh, just to get everyone caught up to date. Um, just recently, a panel of appellate judges ruled against the parents' request to force the Philadelphia medical examiner to reclassify Ellen Greenberg's death from suicide to homicide or undetermined. Uh, however, uh, even though uh, a panel, uh, the majority did not uh, move forward with that, they slammed Philadelphia, the police, and the medical examiners for the investigation. Uh, you just heard Phil said correctly, there was not a real investigation, but a limited investigation. And the quote from this panel is, the facts surrounding this matter are extremely disturbing, and the parents' tireless efforts over the past 12 years to learn exactly what happened to their daughter on the evening of January 26, 2011, warrant our sincere sympathy. This comes from the Commonwealth Judge Ellen Seisler. She wrote this in the majority opinion. And she goes on. She says, the experts they enlisted have all raised serious factual questions about Dr. Marlon Osborne and Dr. Sam Galino's conclusions. They are the medical examiners. Uh, and even the medical examiner's office now concedes that there is no dispute that evidence in the record could support other conclusions about the manner of death. Uh, that's very scathing language, even though they didn't sort of sign off on changing the classification here, Scott Duffy. Scott, do you think at the end of the day, once the justice system, you know, all the, the maze of the legal system, uh, they, they've gone through it all. Do you think at the end of the day we will see a thorough homicide investigation or death investigation into this case? In other words, a resurgence of... of um, Correct. Of opening up the case, I, I would take it. Well, Phil would know better than I with regards to here we are 11, 12 years later and and to to try to do things you didn't do day one and two and three etc of a homicide investigation can make things very difficult um so it, it, it with regards to the opinion i read the opinion first and foremost that's that's from the majority who wrote that opinion so you have to somebody who's hey on on the merits of the case the case can't go forward so i it, it makes total sense um, but then to write all that that extraneous information is pretty compelling to to those that would read it to say rethink it and 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 come back basically I think what the judge is saying come back with a different argument 
um, where you do have standing. Ultimately, they decided that the parents did not have standing to have even brought the case to to a courtroom. And so the, uh, the judges had to dismiss it based on that. And it, it was well written. And, um, and then, of course, you, you have the one dissenting judge. So the I do believe enough pressure, et cetera, that the right authorities mm-hmm. will take a second look, new eyes, nothing, nothing to lose, nothing to gain other than being able to present to whether it be Philadelphia. And I haven't seen this either where is Philadelphia or any jurisdiction allowed to transfer jurisdiction, ultimately who are the lead investigators to a totally different um, county in this, in this case. And so Chester County, yeah, and Chester County, and that, as we know, is now, uh, you know, the lead county because uh, it's been kicked around so much in terms yeah. of who would investigate. Uh, Polkadot says justice for Ellen Greenberg. Uh, McSpunky, uh, generous as he is, donating some uh, YouTube memberships. I leave a reminder to the good governor, Josh Shapiro, on Twitter, formal X, formerly known as Twitter, every day. Um the good people of STS Nation, I would really like to, uh, What did, I can't think today, but I'd really like to organize, that's the word I'm looking for, a rally uh, to try to get justice for Ellen along with Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and Alibis in the Philadelphia area. If anyone uh, has any thoughts or ideas about how to uh, go about this in a civilized manner, please give me a shout out, survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com. Uh, Phil, before you get your aunt, uh, your Nugget qualifies as carry-on. She should fly home with Phil, no question. She knows who loves her. Go ahead, Phil. Well, in regarding of, a, of an end game here, uh, if it were me, what I would be seeking is whatever the law is in Pennsylvania, whatever the process is, is to have a, either a special prosecutor or have the attorney general's office investigate this thing from the beginning. I mean, I don't understand the this well I, the the saying the parents don't have a standing in this case that's a little odd i mean you read the you read the the opinion right yeah, yeah. How, so how do they it, determine that they don't have standing if they don't who does Scott so Tuffy. as as a victim so you have to have a victim and then the victim would be the next of kin or somebody else ultimately that would be able to bring somebody on a victim's behalf. And from what I've gathered and any lawyers out there who have read it, if I'm mischaracterizing it, they've determined because as it stands, it's a suicide. She's not a victim. And so thereby there's nobody that can bring um, at least the, the, the argument that they were, arguing before the court so thereby no victim thereby no next of kin or heirs or whatever have you so it's it's like i think the courts were saying you're on the right track but figure out another argument well that's interesting that they would say even if it's self-inflicted that that person's not a victim yeah a victim of dying in this case by their own hand that's that is an interesting interpretation I think maybe that's getting in the weeds a little bit, but uh, 
be that as it may, again, this and this would be something I, I and again I don't know the I don't know the chain there in Pennsylvania, but I would think that the the governor or the AG's office, if they wanted to, could appoint a special prosecutor to investigate this case. Uh, that's what they should do. Uh, K the Geeky Angel, I think you just answered it, Phil, says, question from Phil and Scott, what can you do when the corruption uh, that is alleged here is so rampant that they don't even test for fingerprints on the murder weapon? Uh, I think Phil just said it. You try to get them to appoint a special prosecutor, but I think the bigger issue, look at this, Phil just disappeared on us, is that we, um, the bigger, Phil is adjusting his seat and didn't want us to see this. Um, the bigger issue is raising our voices. So I think that uh, organizing a rally is a great idea. Uh, we just have to figure out how to do it, when to do it, and all of that good stuff. Uh, Phil, my last question to you surrounding this is the question that uh, Scott Duffy posed to you, which is, how do you go back to 2011? Let's say ultimately uh, an appellate court says, yeah, let's uh, investigate this. Where do you start? I know your answer. You're going to say you start at the beginning, but how? Well, you got to get all the evidence and all means all. That's all all means. So you have to get everything that's contained in that case file. If there are possibilities of evidence listed, but there's nothing in that file, we need to excuse me, find out where that stuff went, if we can locate it, find out what was tested, find out what was not tested, and just see where the trail led at the time. And if there were patrol officers, you want to start with those patrol officers that showed up at that scene and whatever little field investigation that they did. And then you've got to take the steps. you got to put the timeline together when it gets to the ME. The ME rules a certain way. And then what are the circumstances that cause the medical examiner to change their ruling? So that's where, that's where the, my big question is, is what was the dynamic that occurred then that caused the ME to change the ruling? And Scott, I don't know, is any of that revealed in the, in the opinion or is there a minority opinion, by the way, on this thing? There was there was a it was a three panel um, decision one dissent or two two in the majority, yeah, but I think there's only one I think there's only one opinion that was released. Correct, you know? just yeah. yeah, correct. So the uh, he did, so the minority didn't he didn't write minority opinion. I did not that I didn't see one. Okay, well, so I, I again I'm back to my my my, my next question would be. What was it that was presented to the medical examiner at the time that caused him to change the ruling from uh, homicide to suicide? There was. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. There was a closed-door meeting that was not recorded uh, between the medical examiner's office and the police, and after the, and I believe prosecutors. And after that meeting, the ruling was changed, um, but it was never on the record. Uh, Adding to this. Well, that, they would. That's not a. That's not a big deal. I mean, you don't. You don't record meetings like that anyway. So, that's not. See that. That's the kind of thing that I'm not faulting you, Joel. But this is the kind Please of do. thing that wants to add this big conspiracy mystery to. It wasn't recorded. Never record those freaking meetings. I never went into a, a meeting with the medical examiner ever. 
about controversial cases or about any case for that matter where the meeting was recorded. So this is these are these little things like that disturb me about overall pictures about cases that look like they have some question about. Them. That's a red herring. That that it wasn't recorded. It's never recorded. So you know. Anyway. There you go. Uh, Roxanne A., uh, we're doing this Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Eastern. It's a case out of Tallahassee. Charlie Adelson's about to go on trial for the murder of his ex-brother-in-law. The FBI has been tracking the co-conspirators finally after eight years. It's been more than eight years. They've been, uh, well, the investigation's gone on since, I guess, about eight years, nine years. They've been uh, completed, uh, compelled by a judge to give an interview to the FBI uh, what are the chances of an arrest? Uh, I don't think Scott knows because he doesn't know the case, but we are going to have lawyers that know the details of this. And uh, Roxanne's talking about Donna and Charlie, uh, Donna and Harvey Adelson, the parents of Charlie Adelson. Uh, they were going to try to wiggle their way out of testifying, and the judge told them, you must speak to the FBI. Uh, and that is going to happen on Tuesday, and we will see what happens. But Scott, that's sort of interesting. Um, the judge basically compelled them, force are forcing them to speak to the FBI. Uh, is that something that is out of the norm? These are the parents of a guy that's about to go on trial for murder. Well, I'm confused by that statement. So my, my belief is that the judge is compelling an interview to take place but you can never compel anybody to provide you information against your own interest, right? That's self-incrimination, and that's 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 where I that's where I got confused because they then so the only thing, the only thing I could think of is there's a sort of a witness issue, and and that might be that there was grand jury or something, and so you, um, and it, and it may have absolute might be apples and oranges you can be compelled as a witness to testify, provide information as long as there's nothing that's going to um, incriminate yourself or if it does, that a district attorney or, or a federal AUSA would have the ability or the power to, um, to provide immunity so thereby you can continue on. But other than that, that's a confusing, compelling somebody to to provide a statement. So, and, and then the answer about an arrest, there, there can be an arrest as long as there's probable cause. And if there's no probable cause or evidence to, to lead down a path and, you know, especially an interview doesn't provide anything. Um, it's going to be no arrest. Uh, by the way, Esther, what can we do to put pressure on a new investigation? Love STS. I've asked this question to many people and the answer uh, across the board seems to be threaten the jobs, not the, anything else, the jobs of politicians. Uh, make sure that it becomes a platform for a political candidate that they're going to get to the bottom of this case. And if they don't, then they should not be elected. Uh, Phil Waters, one more question on this, then we'll move on. In a normal suicide, and they stopped themselves, if a knife was used or gun, would it be tested to rule out foul play? So in a typical suicide, are you testing a knife or a gun? In what way are we talking about being? I, I guess for fingerprints, uh, you know, I don't know. Were you call, were you called out to suicides when you were at Houston PD? 
No, the only no. time we got called out to, to a suicide scene is if the scene itself was questionable, if it had some sort of suspicious uh, mm. component to it. And I, I, I have made scenes of suicide where we had, you know, we had witnesses. There were people that were sitting in a room. I had one in a hotel room, and there were three or four people in the room when this person did what they did. And um, so we got those people, and we did, in those, in those uh, days, we would do uh, atomic absorption tests on there for the, the presence of gunpowder and all that kind of thing. And, and um, we, I interviewed each one of them, and as it turned out, when we, of course, we had the pistol there, and the pistol was tested, and uh, we did DNA on it. We did fingerprints. We did, but usually on one of those things, it's going to be one or the other. Because if they're doing fingerprints, they super glue that thing and get the fingerprints to rise off of it. And you lose the DNA component. So you have to make a decision on whether or not you're going to go for DNA or whether you're going to go for fingerprints. But be that as it may, we did all the things that I would do in a homicide investigation. And as it turned out, this person did, in fact, commit suicide. Now, I contrast that with a scene that I was called to by patrol officers who got there and first looked at what was going on and were listening to this story that was being told. This was a husband on a, a telling about his wife that he had witnessed her committing a suicide. And he didn't pass the smell test with the patrol officers who were conducting their field investigation. So they called homicide and said, some ain't right here. We got called out to the scene, and later on, we determined by what we found there that this was, in fact, a homicide. It was a murder. It's not a suicide. And so, and then that case got all jacked up for a lot of different reasons in the system itself because of some weak prosecutors and so forth and so on. But, um, so yes, but we don't get called to all of them, only if there is something that looks odd or out of place that would compel the patrol officers to make that phone call to homicide. Mm. Uh, by the way, I'm speaking to mine and monsters and uh, it's my fault. We are have supposed to have spoken love crime con met some great peeps, including Joel. She's got some uh, stuff to tell me about the Ellen Greenberg case. So I appreciate her and uh, what she is doing. Uh, you've got Dom's mom. Uh, whose son has my birthday, so I gotta love him. Saw Joel on News Nation the other night talking about Rachel Moore's case with his sister. Love to see SDS getting out there to a bigger audience. Court TV, but I'm uh, I'm doing Court TV every every other week now. I'm very happy to be doing that, and uh, looks like I'm gonna hopefully start doing some News Nation stuff as well. This is another thing that you can do is you can text and tweet at uh, Governor Josh Shapiro and tell him, Governor do something. He was out throwing the first pitch at the Philadelphia Phillies playoffs game. Uh, something that I know Scott Duffy is passionate about too, but um, if you got to choose between the Phillies and solving a homicide, I know Scott Duffy would say solving a homicide. Might take him a minute or two, but he would say solving a homicide. Go Phillies. Uh, well, I guess it's one. possible that we could have an Astros <laughs> Phillies World Series, right? Scott Duffy, I guess that's always a yeah, possibility. It, it's 
Right. I, I get a little confused when it's this far out who actually is going to, but you're right. It's, yeah. um, it's American versus for the well, longest no. time, the Astros were national, but now they're the American league. So it is possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the Astros are uh, the American league now. Philly's yeah. the National League, right? Right, we're so our final playoff. We're playing the Diamondbacks, so we should be, um, yeah. So if if uh, Astros make it through, well, there's a possibility we could have an Astros Phillies World Series. That will make for a great, great Scott. It's your true crime, Phil. Have jerseys and everything. We can have. We can really ratchet up the stakes there. Um, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Be, that'd be but fun. you know what? We got we got a lot of criticism last week. Uh, because of our our just friendly banter and uh, you know yes. going off on different directions and all that, and so uh, you know those those two or three people. I mean, they were really you know you had you know you always joke <laughs> around. And you say, I'm sure if somebody checks in at this point in time, they're gonna you know that's be the end of the show, whatever. And some jackass wrote in one of the comments on YouTube <laughs> that uh, uh, they they obviously had not changed the sheets on their bed lately, but. Uh, <laughs> You know that uh, I'm. I'm. I think it's something like I'm. I'm 14 minutes into this thing and I'm leaving. You guys are. You know. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, you're just the type of person we don't even want here. So, exactly. adios. Don't let the door. Adios, hit you. amigo. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Get lost. Buzz off. Adios. Um, Inform New Zealand. Good Saturday morning from New Zealand. It's election day there. Make sure you vote. Um, God, it's not election day here. I could handle that. Miss Wee Last C makes an excellent point. Your body gets older and creakier as you age, but your brain insists on staying in your teenage years. I uh, can't agree with that more. Um, I've got to be the most immature 50-something-year-old that I know. T-shirts are definitely getting made for this. Hashtag free nugget. On to the next story. Sergio Brown, uh, Phil Waters. He was a football player. Um his mother died. Yeah. Turned out she was murdered. Yeah. Um, and he'd been arrested. He went to Mexico. Uh, now he's been arrested. Uh, yep. An arrest warrant was issued for him in Illinois. Um, he was somewhere in Mexico and, as I said, was deported across the border, from what I understand, arrested in connection with his homicide. His mother's body was discovered near a creek back on September 16th in Maywood, Illinois, after relatives notified authorities that they had lost contact and could not find her son, who was this guy, Sergio, who is now arrested. Uh, she sustained serious injuries leading to her death. Um, he was acting very strangely after this, uh, putting out videos, um, didn't look in the right state of mind. My question to you, kind of out of the typical parameters of what we discuss, I think this guy is a bad egg, an evil person, even though he's not been convicted. You think there's something to football with, you know, CTE? I think he's got some potential brain damage. What do you think's going on here? Any idea? Well, I know I'm going to, this will get him going, but I, I just, I just, I don't get a connection, at least I don't see it, that the CTE stuff would cause a person to act out violently. Now, I guess that's possible, so I'm not going to say that, you know, so forth and so on. Well, like Junior Seau, not to cut you off, who played for the Chargers, he ended up 
committing suicide. And if you remember, he shot himself with a shotgun in the chest because he knew he wanted his brain to be looked at. Very sad. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. Well, uh, well, right. And, And so I don't know. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it isn't possible and so forth and so on. But we don't know the whole story behind these, you know, we don't, even in Junior Seau's case, we don't know the whole backstory there about what he was going through. And is it related to the CTE stuff or is it something else going on? It's a, it's part of a bigger picture. And that's kind of the same thing I'm looking at here. What was going on? What was the relationship between he and his mom? Uh, and, and did, did whatever injuries he may have, you know, if he does have some sort of, CTE condition of some kind is that a uh, is that a factor now it can be a factor but it doesn't excuse the behavior this is just like what we talked about a while ago about mental illness there are plenty of folks that get convicted for murder or some sort of horrific crime, and they may have some diagnosed mental illness. That doesn't remove a responsibility of what they did and being held accountable for it. So as long as a person can determine the difference between right and wrong, then whatever act they may commit, is not going to be explained away and giving them some sort of pass because of some mental illness. So in this case, even in Junior Seau's suicide, he knew what he was doing was wrong. But whatever those factors were that drove him to it, and this is a point where when people commit suicide, you got to remember the thing that drives them to it is that for whatever reason, they've lost all hope. So... And we don't know, and it's different for every every person that commits that act. Look, my nephew committed suicide. I'm I'm just telling you, I'm I'm I've got eight friends. In fact, one just came up, committed suicide. So I'm 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 well familiar with that that event, and uh, so the CTE thing. So in this particular case. I, I would have to say his actions after his mother is murdered, to me, as a homicide detective, being objective are going to be affirmative links to him being your suspect. So if, and then he, then he ends up going to Mexico. So odd behavior, the posts, and then he goes to Mexico. He's fleeing to Mexico. I mean, that's what he's doing here. So right now, what we know is, is that the affirmative links appear to be, he is the one who murdered his mother. And then that is yet to be proven in a trial later on, if it does. But the investigation has only really getting, is going to really take off now since they have him in custody. So I'm curious as to whether or not he has been interviewed. And if he, if he did 
take part in an interview, what was gleaned from that interview? What happened? Look, I, I've interviewed a couple of folks that in my, well, one was in, a, was in the Harris County psych, psych ward, as a matter of fact, when I interviewed him. And, and he ended up confessing to what he did and once we got past the, uh, you know, the tinfoil and past the, the government putting transmitters in his head, then we got down to what he did, and I got an idea, certainly, of why he did what he did. So, and I had, I had another guy that was same kind of deal. Uh, he clearly had a some kind of a mental break when he stabbed his girlfriend to death and left the freaking knife blade broken off in her neck, in her throat. I'm just telling you that, that, you know, one is not, it doesn't excuse the behavior. Mm -hmm. So if the CTE thing is a factor in the act, then that's something that will be determined. But it's not to be used as some sort of a get out of responsibility free card. And that, I, you know, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the CTE, the bad ones I've seen, majority have taken their own lives. Uh, Tracy Fuller, um, will Scott be getting a Friday the 13th tattoo? Scott Duffy. Uh, I won't be, but I like the idea. I do. Nancy Drew, Fridays are my favorite. Thanks, Joel, for bringing these guys on every week. No, thank them. Uh, I thank them every day. Not really, but metaphorically speaking, Tracy King. I specifically listened to this show for the banter. Love all of you. Uh, that is uh, in response to Phil's comment about the guy that couldn't stand listening to us after the first 12 minutes. We don't want him here. Get lost, Brad. Buzz off, Brad. <laughs> Allie says, yes, T-shirts, free nugget. Um, Laura Lee Potvan, Dennis Potvan's cousin, the hockey player is here. Shout out to her. Um, the, Michelle Salter, I figured out why I like Phil so much. My dad was career law enforcement in Eugene, Oregon. He retired as a detective. You both have similar attitudes and outlooks. Michelle, does your dad, I hope he's still with us, does he drive multiple colored Ferraris? Please let us know. I'd be uh, very interested to know. Um, and then ICU says CTA, CTE has been implicated in violence. Um, I'd be interested to know specific cases here, not questioning you. And look at this. One of my favorite people, Dr. Shiloh, L.A. Not So Confidential. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Shiloh. Uh, Cindy Newfeld, STS with a heart emoji. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez. I think I can share this, Bonnie. You got a little crush on John Singer, the attorney, specializing in the Dan Markell, Charlie Adelson trial. He was supposed to come on Tuesday. His kid's got a soccer game. He can't do it. I get no respect. These dads. I got to say, this is a whole other subject. I'm not even going to go there, but I played tennis in high school and I love my dear dad to death. May he rest in peace. The guy, he had to work. He was always working. Couldn't come to my tennis matches. Karn would always be at my tennis matches, carrying on, bringing Gatorade, but, uh, how times have changed. Now John Singer is blowing off Surviving the Survivor for his little kid's soccer game. But got to respect it. He's being a good dad. By the way, I'm getting up at 6.45 in the morning tomorrow, and I just found this out. 
to go to my daughter's soccer game in Hollywood, Florida. She's seven years old. She's on the traveling team, and her coach is, I think, Brazilian. And he, I like this guy. He he curses in Portuguese and tells them to go kick ass. And my daughter um, regurgitates the curses in Portuguese, but I sort of like the attitude. Um, Scott Duffy, back to Sergio Brown, then we'll move on. The family put out a, a statement prior to um, this extradition from Mexico or him surrendering. It's It was unclear exactly how it went down. The family said, we implore, implore law enforcement agencies, particularly the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, to work diligently and thoroughly in pursuit of truth and accountability for Myrtle Jean Simmons Brown, that is Sergio Brown's mom. No family should bear the weight of uncertainty regarding the circumstances of their loved one's passing. We continue to pray for his well-being, meaning Sergio, this is before they caught him, on and on it goes. What's your take, Scott Duffy? Um, are you in alignment with uh, Phil Waters? Even if you are suffering from uh, CTE, I assume you would say the same. That is not an excuse to go and kill someone. And we don't know that he has CTE at all. Uh, what do you make of all of it? Yeah, I mean, mental health is a real factor, but it is a factor in some cases and and others it's just a um it's a um it's a defense that that has no no weight to it but i i equally agree i think i think the the mental health defense as opposed to someone who's been diagnosed with one or many different uh diagnoses in the mental health arena that it it at least gives investigators i've i've spoken to many many um both as in as uh, criminal defendants but also more so as people who just come into the fbi office on a regular and i have a feeling that many of them were sent to us by our local police department saying ah, that's a case for the fbi we would <laughs> never do that scott <laughs> And uh, as a matter of fact, I'll just as a, as a as a note, when I got into the FBI, great great detective, God rest his soul, he since passed away, but he was a true mentor of mine. And uh, so he said, Scott, just you're a good person, and so if ever there's an FBI case, I'm going to send them your way. And uh, so I would I would get a call from, especially during full moon times. There's something about the full moon. It'd be like, uh, you Agent Duffy, um, uh, Detective so-and-so sent me your way, so I would just feel the phone call for them. But but it's not not an excuse. It's, um, and and just, you know, um, handled the case that happened uh, prior to 2015, but 2015, I, I, I got the case. And it was somebody who had traveled to Delaware who had, committed crimes from from six, seven years prior to in Philadelphia and um, provided a complete confession to many robberies and three homicides. And um, and so there was no doubt that uh, as as this person had through the defense um, said, hey, this person is suffering many different uh, uh, mental health issues. So. I can tell you from interviewing that person, that person never exhibited those signs to me. And we, I had asked a list of questions that, you know, basically I always asked, um, 
Are you on anything? Are you taking anything? Is there anything you should be taking that you're not taking that could otherwise affect your voluntariness of a statement? And um, and that's what I do. That's what I've always done. And and ultimately, this person is serving several different life sentences, having raised those mental health concerns as an excuse. Right. Um, and so I think it gives a clue into people's lives, but it does not excuse them from the penalty, ultimately the criminal penalty that must be ensued by our justice system. And and so thereby, um, I, I strongly believe that we hold them accountable. Um, and, and if the mental health component is a real factor into the why, um, so be it, but not to excuse them from the penalty they must pay. Very eloquently said. Uh, Mac 19 here. I'm sorry, Phil. Sadly, I'm familiar with suicide, too. My sweet brother was a Houston firefighter. HFD took his life. We are very sorry to hear that. And that is obviously a high-stress job, as is law enforcement. Irish McGlass says mental illness should be given the highest priority in the U.S. Hug your loved ones. There are a lot of people suffering. Uh, L.A. not so confidential, trying to make me suffer by making fun. I played tennis in high school with the Menendez brothers. Look, you got to cash in on your three minutes of fame. They were way better than me. She, my kids take tennis lessons with a guy named Matt, who I love, who watches uh, Matthew, who uh, watches the podcast. And uh, he texted me to tell me that Ryan, another friend of mine, is playing tennis really well. Ryan wants me to play tennis with him. I'm 54. I haven't played really in years. And uh, Ryan is taking private lessons every day for couple of hours and i said he should be playing well because he's taking lessons um maybe a week from now when i'm through with the book and i'm not down dejected dejected and tired i will rally i will take tennis lessons and i will come back and i will destroy you ryan i will destroy you on the court but let me get my energy back uh mj says i worked at a ferrari dealership for years does phil know a wonderful man named you know, Bud from the Ferrari dealership. <laughs> no, I can't say that I've met Bud. <laughs> I do know uh, Lindsay Shea says I lived in Aventura for years. That is, I could I could hit Aventura with a, a stone. Um, MJ says, Hollywood, wow, you're close. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. I'm in Miami Beach. We're neighbors. We're very close. Um Come by. We'll say hello one day. Can you clarify what CT is? Uh, what is the? It, it's traumatic brain injury. The, the I forget what the C stands for. Traumatic encephalopathy. Phil's going to look it up right now. But uh, it's it's a hard. They're hard words to say. But it's the short answer is it's brain damage. Uh, that's what we were talking about there. I know Phil is looking this up as we speak. Chronic traumatic. Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. There you go. You said it better than me. Uh, Dateline Fridays. You can watch STS and Dateline. These headphones are driving me crazy today. I don't know why. So this is a story I got to admit. This next story, I really know nothing about it. And to be totally honest, I don't think I heard the name, but it's kind of a big story. And that is Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, Phil Waters, uh, she was a child abuse victim convicted for her role in her mother's killing. Uh, she is now speaking out in a new docuseries. Uh, and she says, after a lifetime of silence, I finally get to use my voice 
to share my story and speak my truth. Uh, this is in a trailer for the Pr Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, it is going to be airing on Lifetime, I guess, coming up. Uh, she says, as a survivor of relentless child abuse, Phil Waters, this docuseries chronicles my quest for liberation and journey through self-discovery. I am unapologetically myself and unafraid to expose the hidden parts of my life that have never been revealed until now. This actually reminds me a lot of the Menendez case. Um, what do you make of a situation, Phil Waters, when someone is abused to the point where they act out in such a manner where they kill a father or a mother, in this case, the mother. Um, is that an excuse in your mind? No. What would you say to this person? Well, I, look, they're, they're contributing factors to why people murder. By the way, we've got more information here. The investigation is taking on steam. It is Bud Root, top salesman for Ferrari. No, I mean, there's <laughs> there are Ferrari dealerships all over the world. Uh, no, I'm, you know, I've, I've dealt with the one in uh, Houston, I've dealt with the one in San Antonio, and I've dealt with the one in Oahu, but on Oahu, but uh, mm. you know, I don't think I've ever met Bud Root at any of those dealerships. <laughs> Um, back to the matter at hand, uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Have you heard about this case, Phil? Am I just living in a... No, no, no. Uh, I, I, I have not heard of this case. Uh, okay. But I would just as a general comment about cases like this where all of a sudden, you know, uh, that can be a factor in why a person commits a murder. But that's still not a valid reason. So all that stuff going on, look, it's the same. If, to me, it would be the same comparison as to a woman that murders her husband or a husband that murders his wife. And they, why not just get a freaking divorce? What, what age was this gal when she murdered her mother? You know, that's a great question. It happened in 2015, so I'm assuming she's still really young. And her she convinced her then-boyfriend to um, go through with the crime. Uh, she's getting out, um, if she's not already out. She's getting out very soon. He got a life sentence. He got an LWAP, life without parole. Okay, so that what did she get? You said she's getting out? I have it here. Uh, hang on a sec. So she now 32 and this happened in 2015. So she obviously uh -huh. killed her, you know, in her twenties. Um, okay, she, so was, she, she pleaded guilty to second degree murder in 2016 and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And she's okay. getting out soon. So, but, but what I'm reading into this is she didn't commit the murder. The boyfriend did. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Committed the act. Correct. She's a party to the crime. Yes. She's the one that fuels this thing and gets him to go murder her mother. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't care. I mean, look, just knowing that, I, her story, 
to me, there is no excuse for her doing what she did. I, you know, she's she's an adult. I mean, she's not a kid. She's 2018. It's eight years ago. She's 32 now. Whatever, right? 2000. It happened in 2015. So she, she was, was 24 a, years old. Yeah, that sounds right. How old? Eight, eight. What's 32? Yeah, 24. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this isn't a kid. This is a full-grown woman who, for whatever reasons, decided that she is going to murder her mother. And she gets the boyfriend to do it. That's what it sounds like. And I know nothing about this case other than what we what you have just said. So I'm the mother. The mother, whose name is Dee Dee Blanchard, she was found uh, dead in her bed in June of 2015. And by the way, Lindsay Shea is writing, Gypsy Rose is a wild story, Joel. Haven't heard of it. Um, as I just said, and it doesn't sound like Phil has either. But uh, Scott Duffy, so again, her boyfriend's a guy named Nick Gojon, G-O-D-E John, Goad John. Uh, they were both charged with first-degree murder, but I guess she ultimately Play. pled to something, yeah, something less. Now, Scott Duffy... Um, after their arrests, after the arrest, it was discovered that Dee Dee, the mother, had for years fabricated all of Gypsy Rose's purported medical problems. Experts determined that Gypsy was a victim of Munchausen by proxy syndrome, which is a rare form of abuse in which a guardian, in this case the mother, exaggerates or induces illness in a child for attention and sympathy you just heard your good friend, your partner here in crime, Phil Waters, say it is still not an excuse. Um, I mean, the details of this are pretty disturbing. The mother had convinced her friends, family, and community that Gypsy was a terminally ill teenager uh, with the mind of a seven-year-old who suffered from muscular dystrophy, leukemia, and other ailments. I mean, this is next-level crazy right here. Uh, so, again, the mother convinced her friends, family, and community that this gypsy was a terminally ill kid with also with muscular dystrophy, leukemia, and other ailments. Scott Duffy, your thoughts, an open-ended question. And so then kill her? <laughs> I, I mean, guess that's what, that's what she not did. Even, not even um, – and, and so totally agree with Phil. And, and so I'm just thinking like of analogies in my head of – you know, whenever somebody offers a defense and and so I do believe there can be signs of imminent, for example, if somebody is abused physically to the point of death, near death, um, to the point to the point to the point, and and for example, let's just say spouse to spouse or partner, and and this is on such a regular basis and it's intensifying, escalating, et cetera, et cetera. And, and and there is a small window that if somebody believes they are about to be killed because someone's always promised, next time I'm going to shoot you, next time I'm going to do this, to the point that that person can articulate some sort of imminent danger and counteracts with um, with the uh, um, striking this person to the point of killing them and whatever. I can see there being 
a justifiable homicide. And and it's and it really gets has to be specific. But I would say in this case, um, to the point that there there is no danger, there's no imminent danger for just homicide is final, and there must be not only a legal and moral justification. And not to interrupt you, but I will. But like in the case of the Menendez brothers, uh, the claim was that they felt an imminent danger that the father had just found out. Water's not buying that. I'm just stating uh, both sides of the case here, Phil Waters. But go ahead, go ahead, Scott. But you're saying it's not. There was no imminent danger. Yeah, if if you're if you've taken that out, if you don't, you know, you're you're exacting. There's no difference. You're exacting a revenge. That doesn't mean the mother is innocent. That doesn't mean the mother didn't do terrible harm. That doesn't mean that the mother should not have been uh, arrested for something if there was probable cause to bring all this for these years of child abuse and exacting all these horrible, let's just say for argument's sake, everything this woman is saying is true about her mother and there's plenty of witnesses. There's it's over. You're, you've now come to adulthood and you have left. And it's not like something was about to happen. You have a discussion with your boyfriend, so you can't even do, you can't even do it. You go ahead and get somebody else to do your dirty work shows the mindset, a criminal mindset of, of just how ruthless this was and so there was this to me this is exacting revenge it may be that well revenge you know but we cannot exact revenge and the law is very specific in that and um so if it comes down to we can do things to people of our past who have done horrible things to us but no longer apart or have any stronghold over us then this would be a very chaotic world. So no, I, there's nothing I, I couldn't even imagine. I can't even imagine she got 10 years while her boyfriend who did exactly what she wanted, uh, remains forever behind bars. So I, I do believe there's a misjustice, miscarriage of justice there. Uh, that fireplace is literally hypnotizing me and putting me to sleep. I'd be remiss Scott Duffy. If I did not ask how Chi the chinchilla is, I know Chi-Chi lives right behind where you are in a cage. Uh, yeah, now in front. So I'm hearing him. I I take out his wheel because then otherwise you would not be able crazy. to hear me. Aren't, aren't they? Are they uh, not nocturnal? Do they only they move during the day as well? I mean, yeah, he's very, he's pretty animate, but but during the night, it's nonstop. And if you're watching Friday the Thirteenth tonight, let's say since it's Friday yeah. the Thirteenth, would mm-hmm. you cuddle Chi-Chi? Would you bring him onto your lap and cuddle him? For security, he would be at, he would be on my shoulder, on your shoulder, and yeah. um, your kids' friends when they come over and they see a chinchilla on your shoulder, they are they know that you have a chinchilla, like they're uh, they're most, not phased by this. He's a pretty yeah, he's very very friendly, very. I'd love to get Carm a chinchilla. People. Like she wants, she probably wants a chinchilla coat, but I'd like to get her an actual chinchilla, and she could it would just latch onto her at Crime Con. Um, Phil Waters, this case gets even more upsetting and disturbing. So according to Gypsy Rose, I love that name, by the way. It's a cool name. It sounds like a band. Uh, Gypsy Rose said her mother would not allow her to speak during doctor's visits 
and told her that if she ever tried to escape, police would not believe her story. And this is a direct quote. I couldn't just jump out of the wheelchair. Now, this is a perfectly fine young woman, but she was believed to be sick, you know, because the mother was telling her this. I couldn't just jump out of the wheelchair because I was afraid and I didn't know what my mother would do. I had no one to trust. Phil Waters, is this swaying you at all? I mean, the gravity of these details. I mean, imagine if this was your mother putting you in a wheelchair, not letting you talk. Uh, how would you react? What should she have done, Phil Waters? Well, look, this goes on for this period of time. My my question is, was there any discussion between the mom and her about what the goal here was? I'm sure it's either sex, drugs, or money. So I'm sure it was probably money. They were getting money for her condition and all this other stuff and getting the limelight, whatever. I don't know that. I'm just speculating. Um, and I'm reading here where... Uh, as long as this went on, I mean, so let me get this straight. She's able to get online, strike up a relationship with this guy. I just read here, it was on some sort of Christian dating website. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. this guy met Gypsy online. He traveled yeah. from Wisconsin to Seward, Missouri. Right. Uh, and so crime. Correct. Somebody, somebody, I don't know if I read it here or someone, said that he may have been on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. So she puts together this murder, and I read here where he's in there stabbing her while she's in the bathroom crying. And now she laments that she misses her mom. So I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? If it got that bad, then why did she go to the authorities? Go, to the, go down to the freaking police station. Say, this is what's going on. This is what's been going on. And I read here where she had gone to some neurologist or something in Missouri somewhere, and he believed or she believed that this is where the first diagnosis of possible Munchausen syndrome is taking place. And he, he or she does not report it to authorities. And, I mean, we can... Always speculated on coulda, shoulda, wouldas, but perhaps if that had been done, this might have gotten her out of this situation altogether. However, she keeps herself in this thing to the degree that she gets hooked up with a boyfriend online and then plots the murder. I'm sorry. I just don't... <laughs> this, this stuff she's talking about now is... We're just going to be given a series of excuses trying to justify what she did and why she did it. Now, I am a little, I am a little weirded out about the, the, um, the disparity between the sentencing on this thing, uh, that they let her plead to second degree in 10 years. If not for her, this wouldn't have ever happened. This, this guy wouldn't have ever done what he did. So if there's any, lack of justice here, I would say it's in her sentencing. Mm. Those are strong words. Uh, the boyfriend is quoted, Scott Duffy, as saying, that was probably the best days of my life. That's the only way I can describe it. 
Uh, this is what he was saying of his time with Gypsy. And this is a prison interview for uh, a series Oxygen did back in 2019. He says, I enjoyed every second of being with her. Uh, from the very beginning, I just knew we were soulmates. Those five days when I was actually with her, physically with her for those five days, uh, they were the most intense and magical and awe-inspiring days I've ever had. Uh, Phil is saying his research, and I granted, I don't know much about this, but apparently he was on the autism spectrum, as Phil just said. Uh, now, she was granted parole. Uh, her release date is this December. Uh, looks like he's never getting out. He's got life without parole, and Phil says that that is the issue. Um, Scott Duffy, I mean, kind of pivoting to Kelly's question, which I've left up here. My interest in mental illness diagnoses is can we predict, prevent murder and mayhem, uh, mothers and fathers being murdered if they are, in fact, abusive? What can be done, Scott Duffy? Do you have an answer to this in Mitty's piece in under 30 seconds? The answer is no. Anything be done on, on the mental illness part? Yeah, the mental. It the, there are things that can be done in order to mitigate. There are things that can be done to to prevent a crime. I will say as um, real quickly that there was a case I worked where it was a mental health um, mental health issue with someone who was starting to go out of control and and started to escalate a plan to murder, do a mass murder. And uh, through great police work, they got in on early, got a search warrant. We got brought in on, on as a resource and then ended up because what I like about the feds and the locals working simultaneously on a case is who can get the bigger, biggest bang for their buck? Where will most justice be served? In this case, on the state level, it was a misdemeanor because when you thwart a, a crime, sometimes you get in early, then you just have lower level charges. We were able to show that the plan was probably going to be a mass attack that was stopped. And so thereby we're able to interject a felony. And what was the felony? Not murder, not it was mail fraud because um, she was utilizing the mail for these threats against colleagues. And so, um, so in that regard, everybody has their fingers crossed, but it was a case, a mental health case that resulted in a criminal prosecution, enough time in order to get this person into jail, and then, of course, a mental health kind of, of, of grab, so to speak, where there was... Um, this person had never sought any assistance or the doctors, and so now... I would say it's on a road of recovery, but, um, and so that's it. That's one snippet. And, and so there, there are things that can be done, but at the end of the day, you know, to prevent murder, to lower the murder rate, mass attacks and whatnot, it's, it's, it's a very difficult, very complex issue. There's some horrific details coming out before we get there. Becky Ireland, Joel, what's the name of your book? Same titles of the podcast, Surviving the Survivor with a different subtitle. Uh, will it be done in audio as well? I listen to more books these days than read. Comes with age. Um, oh, you ought to have Scott do the audio book. The soothing voice. He could, Scott could play me. My dream, um, and we all can dream, 
is to have this is a conversation back and forth um is to have my dear my beloved mother carmela aka carm read her parts it would be so mm. touching to me also hilariously funny in her hungarian accent to hear her saying bad words to me so my dream is i can get her into an audio studio and yes yeah, scott duffy could play me um <laughs> have to fly Scott down here for like six months to do it. I'm sure his family would be, you know, down to do that. Uh, here's some more uh, very disturbing details. She had numerous surgeries. Granted, I admitted this off the top. I don't know much about this. She didn't need. Her life was torture and abuse. Her mother was horrendous for years and years and conned people for money. It was shocking how Gypsy Rose got jail, the mental trauma she was put through. Phil... You should watch a documentary about her story. Hard to blame her when she didn't know anything different since birth. Her mom controlled and abused her. She was 19 when they killed her. It said that they killed her in 2015. She was a victim of Munchausen by proxy. Apparently, the boyfriend had autism. She turned on the boyfriend uh, on and on. Yes, the boyfriend stabbed the mother to death. Uh, she left the boyfriend in the house. Her mother was horrendous. This just sounds like a god awful story, all the I'd way around. I'd be happy around. to do that. Where where can I find the documentary? And I'll watch it. L.A. Not so confidential is saying that we should have specifically. No offense to Phil and Scott, but a psychologist who really understand uh, Munchausen syndrome. So maybe we we will do that. I got to admit, I guess I'm living under a rock because I had not heard of this. Uh, L.A. says psychologically she was very much a child after being medically abused by her mother. Um, Phil, the documentary is coming out in January, but there was one on oxygen. I'll send it to you and we'll have Phil watch it. And we'll see if he changes his mind. Yeah, send it. send it to him and be curious to watch it. There you go. And for those who think that uh, Phil Waters is a uh, tough shell of a man, his wife, by the way, teaches special ed, and uh, he has a gentle soul. He is just looking at this from a law enforcement perspective, as is Scott Duffy, saying you simply cannot go and kill. You should go to the police. There are other ways to go about this. However, this sounds about as horrible as it gets for a child. So uh, I'm going to watch this documentary, too. Just what I need after uh, the week I've had to now watch the most depressing story in history. Gypsy Rose was a fascinating trial. Um, I will watch that. I prefer to think about freeing Nugget and getting free Nugget shirts. My final story of the day. I'll send you a picture of Nugget. Please do. Please do. Um, For the shirt. Oh, thank you. That'd be great. Um, (laughs) So this Oklahoma judge, Phil, I got to go to you first because you're from Oklahoma. This is your home state. It's a murder trial of a two-year-old boy. The judge is on her phone, Tracy Soderstrom, according to the AP. She is uh, tweeting and on Facebook. I'm not tweeting. On Facebook and messaging, text messaging her bailiff incessantly. She sent more than 500 texts to the bailiff. Um During the course of this trial, um, it was for the murder of toddler Braxton Danker. Um, What do you think, Phil Waters, should happen to a judge who's not paying attention to the trial that she is presiding over? She ought to be removed from her bench, from her seat. Her mother had all her teeth pulled out. By the way, I mean, 
I'm admittedly very ignorant about this, but what doctor would do this? Wouldn't you have to have a medical reason to remove a child's teeth? Like she can't just go in there. Uh, look at this. I don't think she's been are we, are we back on this gypsy case. I, I'm just going back and forth. I can't well, believe the details. We, but... we, let, let's do this. Let's watch the documentary because <laughs> getting this stuff piecemealed with all this stuff is not doing us any good. So let's yeah. watch the documentary. We will regroup and we will discuss it with some knowledge. Thanks for Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil, what should happen to a judge who is on Facebook and who is texting the bailiff? Well, in the middle of this thing, right? In the middle of the trial. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, yes. During during testimony. And what is the nature of the texts? Uh, that I don't think we know. Oh, we do. Uh, it included demeaning remarks about the prosecutor and even accuses the victim's mother of lying. That is the context of the text. Okay. Well, if if it had some, is this a bench trial or a jury trial, or what is this? As far as I know, it was a jury trial. The June trial was for the 2018 death of toddler Braxton Danker. The trial ended with a second-degree manslaughter conviction for Christian Tyler Martsall, who beat the child to death. Martsall was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Well, you know, I mean, we don't... I would just say as a general comment that if, if this was going on in the middle of a trial... These judges, or any anybody for that matter, but these judges, I mean, cops do the same freaking thing. To me, sitting there texting in the middle of a freaking trial to your bailiff about the trial is an incredible lack of good judgment. That is just freaking stupid. But the problem is we live in this world now where people think they can get on these freaking electronic leashes and say whatever they want to say and that somehow it just goes into what, cyber world somewhere? This crap is all recorded someplace. And it's going to come up if you do something that causes people to look into that. And that's what's happened here. So the judge, a complete meltdown of good judgment regarding text messaging in the middle of the trial. So I would say that just based on that, she doesn't belong, doesn't belong on the bench. If that's the kind of bad judgment she exhibits in the middle of a freaking trial, then how far does that extend in terms of her rulings? and what she's doing in an official capacity. So if she wants to have that discussion, wait until you're at recess, the jury's deliberating, or whatever, and go back into your chambers and have your bailiff come back in there, and then you can yuck it up and talk about how stupid the, the attorney is or the mother's a lie, whatever you want to say. Say whatever you want to say, in your closed chambers among two people. 
And then I guess hope that the person you're talking to isn't recording that conversation to be used later. Or maybe perhaps we just keep our freaking mouth shut. How about that? And just do the job that the judge is supposed to do and quit with all the freaking nonsense when you get on these phones and start sending stuff out. Because it's going to come back. I'm telling you, it's going to come back. I mean, at least, you know, I was told as a baby cop, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. So perhaps if she'd have waited and just run her head at the guy, at the bailiff, about her opinions then it, it, even if that person came out and said, oh, well, the judge should have said this and that, at least she's got plausible deniability. She can say, I didn't say that. He's he's disgruntled or whatever the case may be. But when you, when you write this crap down and you send it out, you're done. You're freaking toast. You can't, you can't deny it, and I get it, the text messages. I don't like text messages. I don't like getting conversations on text messages. You guys love it. You, you know, you're constantly barraging me with this stuff. But, <laughs> but I don't. I, I, I'm just not a big, you know, because because the the problem is is the context and the tone that some guy we get misinterpreted. And so that's why I, you know, what did we do before we had all these freaking phones? I'll tell you what we did. We talked to one another face to face. And that's what's been lost here is the connection, the human connection. But By anyway, the way, I tell I'm going to send you this video. I put this on Instagram. Uh, I'm totally digressing right now. I do want to say one thing, by the way. Uh, let me read this. Scott is the calm. Phil is the storm. And yes, Joel, because you hold it all together, you are the calm before the storm. Oh, I like that. Very poetic. That needs Very to go. That, Rick, that needs to go on a T-shirt. Yes, God is a calm, Phil is a storm. And yes, Joel, because you hold it all together, you are the calm before the storm. I do love this. Uh, L.A. not so confidential. I want to be very clear here. Remind me to tell you the phone story in a minute. Uh, we covered factitious disorder and Gypsy Rose in episodes 69 and 70. I'm going to listen to this. L.A. not so confidential. My friend, Dr. Shiloh, I'm admitting to the world. I did not know about this case. Obviously, a very complicated case. I am an, uh, an empath, I guess you would say. I feel horrible for Gypsy without knowing her, and I feel horrible for the boyfriend. This mother sounds straight out of a horror movie. How these doctors were doing all these surgeries and all this, I have no idea, but I don't know much about anything. So probably shouldn't be talking about it, and that's why Phil suggested let us go do our e homework. Episode 69 and 70, how long does this freaking thing last? <laughs> I guess two episodes, Phil, 69 and 70, I guess. Uh, L.A. Well, not so confidential. Right there's 69 or 70 episodes of this story. What do they no, have? No, I think this is uh, of the podcast. So this is like. Oh, this okay. 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 Um, L.A., you want to clarify that? Have you done 70 episodes on Gypsy Rose is what Phil Waters wants to know. Oh, I don't okay. Think well, I misunderstood because uh, I don't have time and or desire to listen to 70 episodes of this thing. Well, anyway, she's gone. Had to go. Happy Friday the 13th, everyone. Ah, okay. um, Phil and Scott, on my Instagram page, at Survive the Survivor, I will send you this. The other night, we were walking. My 
lovely mother, my three children, my wife, and we passed a strange object on the sidewalk, Phil Waters, uh, under the cover of night. There was a glint from the sunlight, uh, from the moonlight. And my daughter, who you met, Vita, says to me, Daddy, what is that? And I looked over and I said to her, what do you think that is, Vita? And she says, I have absolutely no idea. And I did not know if she was pulling my leg or not. And I said, seriously, what do you think that is? And I looked at my mother and my mother looked at me and I looked at my mother and she looked at me and with the look that my daughter truly did not know what it was. And this thing had numbers on it, digits, things that you could press and a receiver. It was a phone booth. It was a telephone on the sidewalk a relic from the 1980s. She had no idea. She could not comprehend. I said, what does it look like? We went through this for many minutes and she finally put two and two together and realized it was a telephone, Phil. You surprised by this? Not at all. I would be probably shocked to see a telephone booth myself in today's mm. world. So uh, I can't remember... Man, I, I can't even remember the last time I've seen a an actual telephone booth, and and I it wasn't uh, a full booth. It was just it was just yeah, like it was a phone. Yeah, it was the phone. It was the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, when I took the booths away, I didn't have anywhere to change into my costume. So uh, you know, um, Scott Duffy, if I was to interrogate your four children, would they all know what a uh, payphone is? Hmm. Yes, I, I think there were a couple, because uh, we would head up to the Poconos, and the Poconos I always considered like a time in history. They, they keep some things lingering, and there were some telephone booths. As a matter of fact, I took one, a couple of pictures. I used it in my uh, police technology class, and these are college-age kids. They did not know what it was, so it's, they've been gone for some time. That was, and they were actually booths where the the um, the yellow pages, you know, big telephone books held there by that coil. Yeah, it's uh, remember like the uh, it was like the uh, what kind of doors that? What do you call that? It's like an accordion yes. door that would open yeah. up and shut. Mm -hmm. uh, look at this. MJ says, "Oh my goodness, a payphone! Golly, I feel old." Um, Someone said I look good with my tan, but this person is correct. It's more the lighting than the tan. Uh, even though I live in Miami, uh, I don't get out uh, nearly as much as I should. Um, Carm gave her the clue. I'll repost that at Surviving the Survivor on my Instagram uh, page. Uh, look at this. There is a payphone on Ridgewood in Daytona Beach. I suggest not to touch it. A true dinosaur. Uh, yeah, touching it payphone is a, people used to pick those up and talk right into those receivers that was in the days before uh corona um i've run out of things to say on this friday so sometimes uh it's best not to say anything at all um rolling into the weekend feeling a little broken bill waters i gotta say um disheartened by the nugget news um do you think there's any chance you're going to see her over the next couple of days well, I I hope so. They've been uh, there. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, I mean, we are leaving uh, here in about two or three weeks, and uh, so I'm hopeful that we will be able to see Nugget before we 
depart. Would there be any chance that you do not see her, that this neighbor could be have such animus that he does not allow you to see her before you leave? Always a possibility. Mm. By the way, I want to correct myself. It wasn't a rotary phone. It was, you know, the push button. The push button. That's what I'm looking for. I don't know certain. Uh, look at this. Sarah, ski hat Sarah weighing in. There's a phone booth in my neighborhood. Used to call people who have passed. I forget what it's called. There's a name for it. I don't know what that is. Um, Scott, do you understand that? I don't understand that. No, but it sounds like an interesting concept. Yeah, that sounds like uh, something like a time machine, right? Yeah. Um, Lindsay Shea wants to know, Phil, back to Houston, Phil? Yes. Phil, uh, is it bittersweet? Are you, I know Houston is home, but um, are you starting to get that, uh, I don't know, that uh, veneer of sadness knowing that you're going to leave the beautiful Big Island for a few months? Well, yes. I mean, I can say that when the Wheels touched down in Houston. I'm already counting the days to come back. So I, I tell people now that we work in Houston and we live on the Big Island. Phil, do you think there's going to come a time where you live on the Big Island 365 days a year? Oh, it's possible, but, uh, you know, that's that's up to the uh, the big guy upstairs to determine that. Lindsay Shea, uh, Phil, do you have any pets in Texas? I know the answer to this. Phil, would you like to clear yeah, my, uh, my my beloved poppy dog or bull terrier? And uh, depending on your generational reference, George Patton dog, Spuds McKenzie dog, or Target dog. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah, we can't wait to get back uh, to her. She's at her uh, Aunt Janet's for the, for the uh, summer and early fall, and uh, we, uh, yeah, we can't wait to get back to her. Poppy's, Poppy's a sweetheart. Does Janet get sad when Poppy leaves? And uh, well, she does. Yeah, because uh, she's got a. Uh, she had, and Janet has a bull terrier named Dodger, mm. and they're quite the pair. Uh, they are. He's a kind of a brindle colored dog and she's white. And so they, I've got a picture of them sleeping in the same bed, little doggy bed. And the way they're sleeping on their sides with Poppy's head up here and Dodger's head down here, they look like yin yang. Mm. So it's pretty cool, but they're, they're a lot of fun. They, uh, they, they really like each other and, and uh, they're kind of inseparable. But uh, this person wants to know who Nugget is. Uh, it's a long story. It's a <laughs> long, twisted, sordid tale. But um, all you have to know is that Nugget is loved and uh, we want her back. Free Nugget. Uh, Scott yep. Duffy, um, even though your children are a bit older, Scott Duffy, I've got to ask this question because I'm starting to get nervous because I hear when your kids become teenagers, they completely ignore you. Do your kids enjoy your company still? Do they want to be around you on a Friday night? I think so. I'm not so sure about a Friday night, but yeah, we um, we are pretty close there. So it's uh, nobody's running away yet. But, you know, college kids need money. So and they... <laughs> That they come home for that. They come uh -huh. home for that. Um, 
How much money does a college kid ask for ahead of a weekend? Just out of curiosity. Mm. Does it dad give me a couple hundred bucks? Does it give me 50 bucks? Does it dad give me a thousand bucks? Like what do you, you know, what, what happens here? I, you know, yeah, I would say all the above some couple of hundred bucks, a couple of hundred bucks goes very quick. Not to mention all the other stuff you Mm. um, do, but. This conversation, money conversation might just put me over the edge this week. Uh, oh, Rusty wants to know, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Does Scott and Phil have Instagram? Yes, I do. I just, as a, as a result of you, Joel, in the show, I did go and oh. get an Instagram. So, And what is the handle? Because I'm glad O'Brusty oh. asked, because now I will tag you. I haven't been tagging no. you. I see you uh, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um but look at this full name here, Free Nugget Waters. Um, yeah, what are you just under Scott? Dar- are you looking it up for us? I am. Phil, um, how's your TikTok and Instagram pages, Phil? I uh, deleted my Instagram, my personal Instagram account over hmm. circumstances three years ago. But uh, I do have a company Instagram account because I use Instagram and Facebook in my uh, work, um, I deactivate my Facebook account after I do work, and I do know I deleted my Twitter account altogether. I am on LinkedIn, but and I'm on LinkedIn personally and my company. But Instagram, yes, is uh, Kindred Spirits Investigations. So, Phil, you do not spend your Friday evenings tweeting, I take it. I have never spent much time tweeting, period, Hmm. at all. Hmm. Look at this comment from Lindsay Schaaf. Scott, I'm waiting for you one one second here. I called my grandparents Bubba and Poppy, like Phil's dog, uh, and my grandmother's name was Ethel, like Joel's dog. That's beautiful. That's actually very beautiful. Uh, And look at this person saying, wow, Scott. Um, And this person says that my college kids grocery shop in my pantry. Um, Scott Duffy, what's Instagram handle? We're all clinging on here with bated breath. <laughs> okay. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. trying to figure out how to share it. And that's, this is this is where I pass it off to a college kid to say, help me out. But yeah. it's uh, SSRA. Oh, boy. This is way too hard. What are you, What's going on I, here? I was, gonna, I was trying to just copy and send it out, but it's. You know what? Uh, text it to me. And I'll uh, text it to me and I'll post it. But what is it? Yeah. SSRA what? FBI. Oh underscore <laughs> or, yeah see that's um yeah underscore ret ret well you what have to text that to me what say what Scott? one more time for our audience it's ssra you're saying ss like like yeah, the, the, supervisory the, something is that what that stands very for? Very good. Supervisory senior resident agent SSRA FBI underscore RET retired. 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 Look at oh. that. Look at that. Um, it makes it it look it makes more sense when you see it. Yeah, there you go. It sounds like it would. Uh, just a quick programming note about next week. Uh, I have to pull it up because I am uh, so tired at this point that I can't even fully remember. Monday night, 
Uh, my phone is not pulling it up. Monday night, we're doing um, the Caitlin Armstrong story. We have not done that yet. Uh, that's the love triangle. Triangle. She was yoga instructor in Texas. Uh, they murder the boyfriend, I want to say. We're covering that Monday night. Tuesday, Markel, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Charlie Adelson. And then Tuesday, 7 p.m., we're doing the Delphi murders. And Wednesday, we are doing Suzanne and Barry Morphew with Lauren Scharf, who covered that case extensively. And then Thursday, we've got the author of While Idaho Slept, Jay Rubin Appleman, who I'm sure Phil's going to have issues with. He wrote a book about the Idaho murders. Maybe I'll invite Phil on to give this guy a hard time the entire time, but we'll see. Uh, until then, love you, America. Love you, Portland, Oregon. Love you, Tasmania and Tanzania. Uh, love you, Philly. Love you, Houston. Love you, the Big Island. Love you, Israel. Till next time. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs>